This episode is an introduction to my thoughts on the Russo-Ukrainian War and the historical background behind Russo-Ukrainian relations, especially on this ninth day of May 2022. Specific order of battle and war developments will be covered in-depth in the upcoming episodes. For now, a little bit of context. For time and eternity, Ukraine has been under the influence of its Russian neighbor. Back in the 18th century, Catherine the Great incorporated much of central Ukraine into the Russian Empire. From 1764 to the early 1800s, the Tsarist autocracy established a policy of Russification, culling the use of the Ukrainian language and suppressing Ukrainian national identity. When World War I broke out, 3.5 million Ukrainians fought with the Imperial Russian Army. When the communist Bolsheviks rose to power soon after the war, their Russian civil war resulted not only in the devastation of the whole Russian Empire, including eastern and central Ukraine, but also inadvertently caused the Russian famine of 1921. 1.5 million Ukrainians perished. Many more were left homeless. In the 1930s, Ukrainization was part of the Soviet-wide policy of coronization, literally meaning indigenization. During this time, Soviet Ukraine was forced to take part in an industrialization scheme known as the Soviet First Five-Year Plan, which involved extensive forced collectivization of agricultural crops. Those who resisted were arrested and deported to the gulags by Cheka forces the secret Soviet-Ukraine police. Those who did obey were members of collective farms and were barred from receiving any grain until their unrealistic crop quotas were met. This notoriously became known as the 1930s Holodomor, or the Great Famine, and it has been marked by the United Nations as a classic example of Stalinist genocide. More than 3.5 to 5 million Ukrainian lives were lost. During World War II, Soviet Ukraine was on the front lines against the rampaging Nazi armies. Hence, it is no surprise that more than 700 cities and towns and 28,000 villages were reduced to rubble. It is estimated that 4.5 to 7 million ethnic Ukrainians fought to defend the Soviet motherland. And of those numbers, 1.4 million of them would never live to witness the Soviet victory in 1945. The loss of Ukraine was so big that Ukrainian civilians and military personnel combined amounted to around 44% of total Soviet casualties of the Second World War. This is notwithstanding the additional deaths from another famine in 1946 to 1947, caused by an annual drought and exacerbated by the Soviet government's failure to repair vital infrastructure devastated by the Second World War. For a time, during the Cold War, Ukraine was invested in and developed a friendship with the Soviet Union. By the 1950s, Soviet Ukraine soon became a European leader in industrial production and an important center of Soviet technology and arms research. Premier Lenoid Brezhnev, the Soviet leader from 1964 to 1982, hailed from Ukraine at a time when it was booming in growth. However, this was short-lived. On April 26, 1986, 
a reactor in the Chernobyl nuclear power plant exploded, the worst nuclear reactor accident in history. Of the 7 million people affected by the radiation contamination, 2.2 million were actually Ukrainians. The Soviet government attempted to cover this up until finally, it was forced to admit to the incident after radiation waves were detected by Norway and Sweden. When the Soviet Union finally dissolved in 1991 and the Russian Federation took its place, Ukraine adopted the Act of Independence on August 24 of that year. But it would only take a few decades later for the Russian Federation to again infringe on Ukraine's sovereignty and forcibly annex Crimea back in 2014. As demonstrated by the list aforementioned, the Russian Federation's premeditated invasion of Ukraine last February 24, 2022 is just the latest of the long list of offenses it has committed against Ukraine. This time, Russian President Vladimir Putin, in a bid to re-erect the former Soviet Union's glorious sphere of influence beyond the Crimean and Donbass regions, executed a special military exercise to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, presently a sovereign nation aspiring to join the European Union and the Northern Alliance Treaty Organization or NATO. Since 1945, continental Europe had not yet experienced a protracted, full-blown war between two nations, of course, other than the Kosovo Wars and Balkan Wars back in the 1990s. But never did I once think, until two months ago when Russia's invasion hit the news headlines, that the day would come in my lifetime when the terrifying prospects of an actual war on a major continent would come. War history, a subject I've been scrutinizing for so long now, is literally unfolding before my eyes. There is great reason to believe that the sinews of peace are now more than ever, in fact, under the greatest duress since the days of the Cold War, an era of American-Soviet nuclear brinkmanship that I thought humanity had since graduated from when the Soviet Union dissolved in 1991. Russo-Ukrainian tensions can very well boil over Ukrainian borders to burn European and other Western democracies, and perhaps even drag the world into an even deadlier sequel of the bloodiest conflict known to man today, which is World War II. In short, the threat of World War III has never been more pronounced. So, you may ask, how does this relate to Mission Improbable as a podcast? Well, let's face it, modern conventional wars are expensive. And they're few and far in between, at least compared to before. It would be extremely hard to find a mission improbable in today's dynamically volatile geopolitical climate, notwithstanding the ever-present threat of mutually assured destructions, death by nuclear weapons, and radiation poisoning. But Ukraine's staunch resistance in the advent of Russia's invasion so far embodies a very unlikely mission improbable in today's circumstances. A manifestation of this resolve is the steadfast Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky, who has garnered near-unanimous international support, all the way from U.S. President Joe Biden to U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres, EU officials Ursula von der Leyen and Charles Michel, 
UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and the Prime Ministers of most, if not all, the European states. Zelensky addresses the public daily from Kyiv and has voiced his conviction to remain in his country. Zelensky's Churchillian leadership style, coupled with his fast thinking and public presence, makes him a leader who can govern and wage war simultaneously, a hellish scenario where arguably most of his contemporaries would falter or fumble. At that moment when he chose his people, Zelensky chose immortalization over mere passing existence, carving his name in the pages of the Ukrainian history books. The same can actually be said for his people. Ukrainians have embodied the unfeigned concept of a hell-bent endurance, one that renders no obstacle as unclimbable, nor any situation as unsalvageable. Facing a modern superpower known for their ruthlessness and their arsenal of nuclear weapons, the Ukrainians stare down insurmountable odds and suffering. They are shelled daily, surrounded, outgunned, outnumbered, and undersupplied. The Ukrainians holding out for nearly 10 whole weeks testifies to the remarkable willpower and ingenuity of every Ukrainian man, woman, and child. And so important is the fight in Ukraine because there lies the present generation's moral obligation to safeguard the peace those who came before us fought for and to pass on life's luxuries of peace, love, and liberty to those who are still to come. Today is May 9, 2022. It has been over two months since Russian troops crossed the Ukrainian border. The wanton damage inflicted by these Russians on Ukraine now amount to a whopping $110 billion worth of infrastructure and goods. Sadly, the loss of life is even steeper. Ukrainian casualties run high. As many as 10,000 civilians have been killed, among them hundreds of children, and 15,000 Ukrainian troops have fallen in battle. 23,000 Russian troops have died, and many more that figure have been injured. War crimes, such as the mass graves in Bucha and Bodoryanka, have been perpetrated, found, and investigated, and are still yet to be condemned by the UN. All in all, in Putin's fratricidal conquest for Ukraine, death has become the chief arbitrar, the common denominator that unifies combatant and non-combatant a peacer and confronter, peacemaker and warmonger. No one is exempted from the threat of death, as aptly demonstrated by the deaths of Putin's 12 senior-ranking generals in Ukraine. Today is May 9, 2022, a day of deja vu. 77 years ago, the Soviet Union and the rest of the Allies, for that matter, celebrated Victory Day in Europe against Hitler, his Third Reich, and Nazism. But the difference between then and today is that peace has not yet returned in Europe today. Neither does Putin have any objectively tangible nor decisive victory to show for today's occasion. A defiant Ukraine is still left standing, unyielding to the might of Putin's armed forces. Even if Moscow chooses to deliberately fabricate facts and hold ceremonial victory processions, 
these cannot and will not hide from the world Russia's premeditated brutality in Ukraine and whereafter the blunders Putin has indelibly made. Finally, today is May 9, 2022. It is a day to pause and reflect, to remember those that gave their lives to defend our freedom and our very way of life. It is to honor those who have fought and died in World War II and every other soldier who is fighting for a valiant cause. At Mariupol's Aztoval steel plant, beleaguered and encircled Ukrainian troops continuously and ferociously hold off overwhelming hordes of Russian forces closing in to destroy their last stand. Unsurprisingly, this is no exception to the rule that has governed the tenacious Ukrainian resistance throughout this war, in that while the Ukrainians may be destroyed time and again, never shall they be defeated.